Good morning, my name is Isaac. Today's Bible passage uh, is from Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 38. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Good morning. My name is Jeff. It's uh, quite a while since I've been here. I was just thinking about it the other day. Um, I was here as interim moderator, and I was thinking, it's not that long ago, but it was 2006, 15 years ago that I was last here. Some of you may remember that. Some of you may remember when I was a student here back in the 1990s. Uh, So uh, we've got a a long association, although my association with Epping goes all the way back to when I was born in Epping uh, many, many years ago. So I'm actually a local. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, do please help us as we look at your word now to understand it and to uh, understand clearly who Jesus is. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you may know, the, uh, the word Presbyterian... It comes from a Greek word, the word presbyteros. Now, the word presbyteros, uh, it literally means old man, old man. So a Presbyterian church, by definition, is a church run by old men. Now, I personally find that quite offensive, being very young, virile man, although it's becoming more and more true in my case. 
Um, I'm sure it's completely inapplicable in the case of the church at Epping as well. I'm sure all the elders here are models of youthful vigor. But, but, but that's the idea. That's the idea. A Presbyterian church is a church run by old men. Uh, the, the only other time that you might hear a word similar to Presbyterian is if you go to the optometrist. Uh, if you go to the optometrist, the optometrist might tell you that you have presbyopia. Presbyopia. Has anyone ever been told they've got presbyopia? Literally, it means old eyes. Old eyes. Uh, let me quote from the government's Health Direct website about presbyopia. That's come up pretty small, hasn't it? You won't be able to read it. Anyway, you can look at the nice picture. Uh, presbyopia is a condition in which your eyes become less able to focus as you get older. Uh, usually, you notice that reading and focusing on objects close up, close up becomes more difficult, although you will still see distant objects clearly. Presbyopia is a natural part of ageing and is usually corrected with the use of glasses or contact lenses. What causes presbyopia? As you get older, the lens in your eye becomes harder and less flexible. This makes it harder to focus on close objects. People often notice changes in their vision around the age of 40. Uh, you might find it harder to focus to read, especially in poor light. You might also find yourself holding your book further away. Your arms suddenly aren't long enough anymore, are they? Um, holding your book further away or needing a brighter light for detailed work such as doing a crossword or crafts. The strain of focusing your eyes might also give you headaches. Presbyopia usually worsens until around the age of 65. It's a natural part of ageing and there's no known way to, to avoid it. Well, friends, uh, I'm a Presbyterian. Sadly, I'm also suffering from presbyopia. Um, I tried to deny it for years. I, I would play trombone with books, trying to read them. Um, but eventually I had to give in, went to the optometrist and got some glasses. And now, um, every two years, as my eyes get worse, at around about this time of year, I return to the optometrist for an eye test. Uh, so for me, starting a new year, it means it means another eye test. And so I thought today, I thought, I thought it might be good for you and me as we come into 2022, I thought it might be good for you and me to have a bit of an eye test, okay? To check if we're, check if we're seeing clearly. The thing is though, I don't mean our physical eyes. What I want us to think about is this. Are we seeing clearly who Jesus is? Are we seeing clearly who Jesus is? A Bible passage we've just looked at today, we're going to look at it now, read through it, think about what it means. It's from Mark chapter 8. In the first seven chapters of Mark, Jesus has been doing some amazing miracles. He's, he's driven out evil spirits, he's healed diseases, he's fed the 5,000, he's walked on water, he's done amazing miracles. And, and, and his message has been this. Jesus has been saying that people need to repent because the kingdom of God is near. In other words, Jesus is saying that he is the king. And so people need to stop running life their own way, turn away from sin, and submit themselves to him as king. That's been his message. And some people have done it. Some people have done it. They're, they're called disciples. But Jesus has been a bit worried about his disciples. 
He's worried that they've got the wrong end of the stick in terms of what it means for him to be king. He's worried that they're, they're just following him because they think he might be very powerful and, and very glorious. They, they see him as a king who will maybe conquer the Roman Empire and start an earthly kingdom. And they're hoping, by following Jesus, they're hoping to cash in on it, to, to, to get some power and some glory for themselves. Jesus has warned his disciples. Earlier on in chapter 8, he's warned them about some other power-hungry people. Uh, King Herod and the Jewish religious leaders, he said, beware of being like them, beware of their yeast is actually what he said. Now here in Mark chapter 8, we come to another miracle. Jesus heals a blind man, enables him to see clearly. Now, that's something we see happen quite a few times in the Gospels. There's a few blind people who are healed in the Gospels. Um, but, but with this miracle, there's a couple of strange things. A couple of strange things. Let me read you the story. Let me read it to you and see if you can see the, the weird, unique things about this miracle. Okay, you ready? Let, let's read it together. Now, Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. Is that going to come up, Alex? Thanks, brother. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They, they, they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. All right, um, that's enough for me for a while, I think. I've got a little exercise for you. I'm sorry if this is not something you're used to at Epping, but I'm the guest. I don't know your culture. Too bad, you just have to do it my way. Um, what I'm going to get you to do, I'm going to get you to turn to each other. Okay, just groups of two or three or something like that. And I'm just going to give you one minute to discuss this question. What strange, unique things did you see about the miracle? Did, did you get the question? What strange, unique things did you see about the miracle? Okay, turn to each other. One minute. Have a chat about it. Go. One minute. <clears throat> How'd you go? It's an interesting exercise, isn't it? I mean, that, that, that miracle, what sort of strange things did you see about that miracle? I mean, the miracle itself is pretty amazing. Isn't it? Uh, giving sight to a blind man. That's, that's an extraordinary thing to do, isn't it? You, you, you don't see that every day of the week. It's amazing in itself. But did you notice the way Jesus does it? Um, spitting on the man's eyes. Don't know if, have we got any ophthalmologists here among us? Um, there are a couple of ophthalmologists at Chatswood, and neither of them recommend this, uh, this process of spitting on a man's eyes. In fact, um, I have a feeling there might even be a public health order about spitting on people at the moment, aren't there, under COVID safe practices? I think Jesus would be arrested if he did that here in Epping today. Um, I doubt you'll find any ophthalmologists who do this as an unusual cure. Uh, but one really strange and unique thing about the miracle is surely this. Did you notice this? It takes two attempts. Did you notice that? He, he, he half heals him the first time. Uh, people, he's still blurry. People look like trees. And then it's just on the second attempt that, that the man sees clearly. That's, that's unique. You, you never see that happen with any of Jesus' other miracles. 
So what do you reckon's going on there? What's this meaning of what's the meaning of this two-stage miracle? Clue comes in the next scene in the gospel. Jesus asks his disciples who they think he is. They've had plenty of time with him now. They've seen his miracles. They've seen him do amazing things. They've heard his amazing, wonderful, powerful teaching. And so Jesus wants to know, who do they think he is now? He starts off. He starts off by asking them who other people think he is. This is verse 27. Verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. These are the answers of blind people. These are the answers of people who don't know who Jesus is. They think he's just another man. Maybe special, but but just another man. But now Jesus wants to know if God has worked a miracle in the disciples. Jesus wants to know if if the disciples are now able to see more clearly who he is. Verse 29. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. That's the right answer, isn't it? Jesus is the Messiah. He is the king in God's kingdom, the king promised in the Old Testament, the king who's going to rule the world forever. All his miracles, all his teaching, it's revealed this truth. And now by a miracle of God, Peter's eyes have been opened and he can see the truth. Jesus is the Messiah. But the question is this. Can Peter see clearly? What does Peter mean when he says that Jesus is the, is the Messiah? Is he still thinking Jesus is going to be a powerful earthly king? Is he still thinking that, whew, hang out with Jesus, I'm going to get lots of glory and status as one of his disciples? Well, we get a clue that all is not right as Jesus warns his disciples to keep a lid on what they know for now in verse 30. Um, Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And now, Jesus starts to fill in the picture for his disciples. He starts to clarify their vision. He tells them what kind of Messiah he is going to be. He says he's going to be a Messiah who will be rejected. A Messiah who will suffer. A Messiah who will die on the cross. Only after suffering and dying will he then rise to glory. Jesus tries to be as clear about this as he can. Verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Jesus speaks plainly, but Peter and the disciples, they still can't see it. They won't won't hear of it. 
Like that half-blind man, they don't yet see clearly who Jesus is. They want a king with power and glory. They they want a king who will give them a nice, happy life on earth. They don't want a king who who suffers. They don't want a king who dies. Uh, Still in verse 22, Jesus spoke, uh, verse 32, Jesus spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But Jesus rebukes Peter. He says, Pete, you're still blind. You're blinded by the devil and you're blinded by human concerns. You're blinded by your concern for power and for wealth and for glory and for an easy life. You don't understand what God's agenda is. You don't understand God's concerns. Verse 33. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus is the Messiah who suffers and dies. He will go to the cross as the ultimate sacrifice to pay for our sins, to clear a path for us to be able to be with him in his eternal kingdom. And so now Jesus lays it out to the people around him. He lays it out to the people who are following him. He says, you really want to follow me? It's not going to mean power. You really want to follow me? It's not going to mean glory. You really want to follow me? He says to the people around him, well, I'm off to Jerusalem. I'm going to die on a cross. You want to come? Verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their... Leave it there. Take up their cross and follow me. Following Jesus, he says, it's going to mean death to the people around him. It's going to mean death because that's where he's going, to go and die. But Jesus goes on to say, it's worth it. He's worth it because he says that he will finally enter eternal glory. And he says, he says, I am the only one who can bring you into this eternal glory. I'm the only one who can bring you through judgment day. I'm the only one who can save your life. I'm the only one who can save your soul. I'm the only one who can give you eternal life. Yes, I am going to die, but I will rise again on the third day. Yes, following me, it means coming to the cross, but I am the only way to be part of God's eternal kingdom. You must trust me. There in verse 35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man? What what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. He is the only one who can get you through judgment and bring you into God's holy kingdom. Okay. Well, can you see what's here then in this, uh, in this part of God's word? Jesus does this weird miracle. Uh, the man is blind Then Jesus does a miracle so he can half see. And then Jesus does a second miracle so he can see clearly. 
Jesus then asks, he asks his disciples, who, who, who do people think I am? And they give the answer, the answer of blind people. Blind people think that Jesus is just another man. But then Jesus asks, what do you think? And God has worked a miracle in Peter's mind. He now realises Jesus is the Messiah, the King. But like the half-healed blind man, Peter still doesn't realise what it means that Jesus is the Messiah. He thinks Jesus will be an earthly king, giving him wealth and power. And so Jesus tells Peter and the disciples what it will mean for him to be Messiah, what it will mean to see clearly who he is. Jesus is the Messiah who will be rejected and suffer and die on the cross. Only then will he rise from the dead. His kingdom will not be an earthly kingdom. His kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. And so following Jesus, he says, it's not going to bring earthly power and wealth he says to the people around him, it means following me to Jerusalem and to the cross. But Jesus says it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth sticking with him. It's worth dying with him. It's worth dying for him. And following him may not mean earthly power and wealth, but it will mean eternal glory. Something way better than anything that this earth can offer. I reckon this is a great passage. Don't you? I just absolutely love the way that the miracle illustrates the narrative. Do you know what I mean? That the, the miracle pictures the story. I just think it's beautiful the way Mark's put it together like this. The stages of healing parallel the stages of seeing clearly who Jesus is. All right. Well, let's just think for a couple of minutes about um, applying this passage to ourselves. And the question that this passage asks you and me is a very simple question. Um, do you see clearly who Jesus is? That's the question. Do you see clearly who Jesus is? Uh, a few years ago, there's a, a research group in Australia called the McCrindle Research Group. And a few years ago, they did a study on what Australians believe about Jesus. Uh, they found, as you'd expect, that most people don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Most people don't believe that Jesus is Messiah. In fact, 65% of Australians say that they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. Who are they in terms of our passage today? What, what would the Bible call them? What would Jesus call them in terms of this passage? Well, they're what the Bible would call blind, aren't they? They're, they're, they're ignorant. They're wrong in their understanding of who Jesus is. Friend, um, I don't want to be rude to you in any way, but, but, but is that you? Do, do you think Jesus is just some man? You don't believe that he's your king. You don't believe that he's the Messiah. You don't believe that he's the one who will rule God's kingdom forever. Uh, friend, if that is you, please, can I encourage you, reconsider Check your eyes. Check your eyes on this. Because the reality is Jesus is the king. Whether you believe it or not, he is the king. And the day is coming when every knee, including yours, will bow to him. The day is coming when every tongue, including yours, will confess that he is your king. Friend, please, please, 
do it now. Do it now willingly. Do it now joyfully before it's too late. In that same survey, the, the McCrindle survey, um, 35%, I was very surprised by this, 35% of Australians said that they do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That, that's quite a few, don't you think? So I was very surprised. That's, um, that's one in three Australians, according to this uh, survey. But it's about, if it's true, it's about 8 million Australians who say that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the Messiah. Now, I can't see into anyone's heart, and, and I'm not going to be the judge, but you know what, friends? I'm not convinced that there are really 8 million Australians who see clearly who Jesus is. Are you? Uh, if anything, I suspect, um, I suspect that many of them are like the man when he was half blind. That, that's why they, they wouldn't necessarily describe themselves as Christians. It's why you would rarely ever see them in, in church or a Bible study or anything like that, maybe at Christmas or Easter, but certainly not often. They say Jesus is Messiah, they say he's Son of God, but, but they think Jesus doesn't make any difference to their lives. They think they can just vaguely acknowledge Jesus, but, but not do anything in response, they, 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 not, not live any differently. Again, I don't want to be rude to you in any way, but, but is that you? You know Jesus is someone special, some kind of king, and that's why you're here today. But, but you don't know him as the king who died and rose again for you. You don't know him as the king who is the only one who can bring you into God's eternal kingdom. You don't know him as the king who is the only one who can save your soul. You don't know him as the king who is the only one who can give you eternal life. Friend, again, if that is you, please, can I encourage you, check your eyes. Reconsider. Because whether you believe it or not, the fact is... Jesus is the only one who can give you a place in God's eternal kingdom. And the fact is, if you are ashamed of him on that day, what does he say? He'll be ashamed of you when he comes in his glory with all the holy angels. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder how many Australians really see clearly who Jesus is. Because... You know, you can tell. You can tell. You can tell it from how they live. Now, of course, you know, they're not there with Jesus on the way to Jerusalem. They can't literally pick up a cross and, and follow him and, and die with him. It's 2,000 years too late for that. But, but see, you can tell it in how people live. You can tell if people see Jesus clearly. How? Because like Jesus says here, they are not ashamed of Jesus and his words. They're, just, they're the sort of people that people around them say to them, yeah, I like that person. I just wish they'd shut up about Jesus and religion all the time. They're not ashamed of Jesus and his words. They are willing to keep on trusting Jesus, keep on identifying with Jesus, even if it means no wealth, no power, no glory here on earth. They're willing to keep trusting Jesus, identifying with Jesus, even if it means suffering, even if it means embarrassment, even if it means Losing wealth, power, glory, 
You're not going to mistake the person who sees Jesus clearly. There's never going to be confusion or ambiguity about it because they will be standing up and standing out for Jesus in every aspect of their lives. At work, everyone knows they're a Christian. In, in, in the retirement village, everyone knows they're a Christian. That's the person who keeps housing me to go to Bible study every week. Someone who sees Jesus clearly, they know that what they have in Jesus is more valuable than everything else in the rest of the world put together, and they would not give up on Jesus. They would not forfeit their soul if you offered them the whole world. They would rather die than give up on Jesus. You can tell if they see clearly. Is that you, friend? Do you see clearly who Jesus is? Do you know him as your king who died and rose again for you? Are you relying on him to give you a place in God's eternal kingdom? Is he the most important person in your life, the one you know you must keep trusting in no matter what? Can you see clearly? I hope you can. I hope you can. A couple of weeks ago, I had my eyes checked again. I'm sorry to report that, uh, as expected, they're worse. I needed new glasses. But friends, this is an infinitely more important eye test, isn't it? Isn't it? Please do think this through. Are you seeing Jesus clearly? Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he did go to that cross and die to pay for our sins. We thank you that he did rise again from the dead and is the king in your eternal kingdom. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can be part of your kingdom by trusting in Jesus as our saviour. Father, please work in us by your spirit so that we see clearly who he is, so that we know him as our king, our saviour, and so we trust him and are never ashamed of him, but live for him no matter what. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.